Linda Lysakowski, author, speaker, and consultant to nonprofits, is one of slightly more than 100 professionals worldwide to hold the Advanced Certified Fundraising Executive designation. In her 30 years as a philanthropic consultant, she has managed capital campaigns, helped hundreds of nonprofit organizations achieve their developmental goals, and trained more than 40,000 development professionals around the world. She has written at least 25 books, two dozen for the nonprofit sector alone. So since we're at the beginning of a new year, I reached out to Linda because I want to have a conversation about the importance of strategic planning for nonprofits because I am amazed at how many organizations try to operate without one. So Linda, first welcome. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. So let's start with the idea that before you can create a strategic plan, you have to first encourage and then develop a strategic thinking organization. So how often do you run against that? (laughs) Oh, that's very, very true. A lot of times organizations, I hate to say this, but fly by the seat of their pants (laughs) And there's so many crises that happen in nonprofit organizations that it's easy to see how they get into the trap of just coming into work every day and dealing with what's right in front of you at the moment. But I think I've always been a planner. And one of the things I learned in one of my careers before I was in development in a sales career was that failing to plan is planning to fail. And I really took that to heart. And I've always plan not only for the organizations I work for and the ones that I consult for, but for myself as well. So I think strategic planning is critical in all of those aspects for businesses, for nonprofits, and for us as individuals. We have to plan our own careers and our own lives as much as we possibly can. Absolutely. Well, a lot of this, what I've discovered, because I work with so many businesses and do a lot in the nonprofit world, is, you know, a lot of nonprofits have a mission statement, but they aren't really, they don't have a vision or a vision statement. They're not visionary. And so to me, in order to be strategic, I need to have a target, right? What, what am I trying to get to? What does success look like? So let's talk about the importance of being visionary or at least adopting or thinking about a vision for your organization. That, I think that's really critical. And the other thing that's important, I always start any strategic planning process with the mission, the vision, and the values. Because nonprofits and all organizations really should have a sense of values Because a donor is going to give to an organization whose values match their values and whose vision matches their vision. So your mission statement pretty much is uh, what you do, but your vision statement is important. And it's not just important to your organization and what its vision for itself is, but it's what's your vision for the community. And too many times when I work with nonprofits, They express their vision in terms of things like we want to be financially stable and we want to have a stronger board and we want to have a bigger facility and more staff and run more programs. But what they really should be thinking of when they set their vision is what's our vision for the community? Maybe homelessness is a problem in our community. So our vision is to end homelessness or to cure cancer or 
whatever. It's, it's a vision for the community. It's not just a vision for your organization. And that's what's going to get donors to be intrigued by your organization and want to support it financially and uh, in other ways like volunteering. But it has to be a vision for the community. And for some people, their community is the entire world. So maybe it's your vision for the world or make the world a better place, more peaceful, more, you know, getting kids off drugs, getting people off the streets, getting people fed and providing good health care or maybe curing a disease. It's got to be a really big vision. I, I agree. And once you have that vision in mind, now it's easy to look at, you know, how do you build the mission around that? Because you know right. what what does success look like? That's kind of the vision. If it's to end homelessness or youth homelessness in your community or put, you know, food on everybody's plate every night at dinner, then it's easier to think strategically and be a better decision maker because you know what you're trying to achieve. Absolutely. If you don't have that long-term vision, it's really going to be hard to set goals because you don't know what your ultimate vision is going to be. Absolutely. And I know that, you know, as part of a strategic planning process, you know, we hear this a lot in the for-profit world, but I'm not sure how many nonprofits actually take advantage of doing a SWOT analysis. And so this is another foundational piece for uh, beginning a strategic planning process. So let's talk about the importance of doing that. Oh, I think that's critically important. And in my experience, I've worked with an awful lot of nonprofits setting their strategic plan in place. And one of the things that I find very common is when I get a board or and usually it's a board and key staff people that are doing this process together. And when I ask them uh, to go through a SWOT analysis, first of all, I find that a lot of them get hung up. They don't really understand the difference between strengths and opportunities, and they don't understand the difference between weaknesses and threats. So the easiest way to explain it is that strengths and weaknesses are internal to your organization, where opportunities and threats are external to your organization. And the other thing that I find a lot of organizations do, when I, I always start with strengths. And people are really eager to jump in and say, oh, yeah, we have a great board and we have dedicated staff and we have a lot of these things in place that are great strengths. And after we list all the strengths, I ask them to list weaknesses. And what I find is a lot of times, even though these are board members and key administrative staff people that have worked together for years, they're always kind of reluctant to say, oh, gosh, I don't want to offer a weakness because I don't want to sound critical. And so a lot of organizations really need to come to grips with the fact that they do have weaknesses. And some of the things that are strengths might also be a weakness. For example, technology. I find a lot of nonprofits that say, oh, well, one of our strengths is we have this great software program to manage our donor database. But the weakness is nobody knows how to use it or they're not using it for right? one reason yeah. or another. Yeah. To its full advantage. So sometimes it's a strength and a weakness. And then when you get into opportunities, the same thing happens. People love to think about all the opportunities that might be available, maybe new companies that are moving in or opportunities to 
strengthen their program. But then when they think about threats, they just don't want to face those negative issues. And sometimes I think that's a real drawback because if you don't face your weaknesses and your threats, you can't come up with a plan to overcome them. So well, I think that's yeah. one of the biggest mistakes nonprofits make. Well, and that also comes kind of back to the original strategic thinking, you know, becoming a strategic thinking organization. Whenever I look at opportunities and threats, you said that's external. You know, I'm always about five years out, right? So right. that's <laughs> how you start to go, well, what if, what if, and so on. And you become, in essence, then more proactive versus reactive. Exactly. And and that's what strategic planning is all, all about, is being proactive and having a plan in place. And what I'm finding, and I don't know if you have found this, but more and more funders are asking to see strategic plans. They want to know that you have a plan in place, that you're not just, you know, coming in and fulfilling your role from day to day and working on programs that are critical and putting out fires that you have a long-term vision, that you have that strategic plan on how you're going to get there, because that's what the strategic plan does is tell you how you're going to reach that vision. Well, and then, yeah, because then from that is the, you know, setting the goals and the timelines and doing the tactical side. And so, yeah, I mean, if nobody knows the roadmap, or where you're trying to get to, it's just like you said, you come into a lot of organizations and they're just busy and doing, but not mm-hmm. being really proactive or productive in that regard. Right. Exactly. So let's, um, before we finish up this segment, we just have a couple of minutes. So on strategic planning for nonprofits, if I've, you know, come together and, you know, now we've gone through this SWOT analysis, a lot of times, uh, sometimes that's where it ends, right? We've, okay, we've identified all this, but we don't know how to, we don't know how to get and take the next step, which is A, either get it down on paper um, but what do you recommend to people? Okay, we've had this great discussion. Now what? Well, I think one of the things that's really important is the strategy is the first thing, but then you have to have a tactical plan in place or it's never going to be implemented. And so I think while it's important to have the strategy, I've looked at hundreds of strategic plans in my career and so many of them stop with the strategy. Well, no, we have the mission, we have the vision, and here's our overarching goals. But they never get down to the objectives to reach those goals. Or if they get that far, they never get down to the action steps that are going to help them put the plan in place. So I think that's really critical going into this is that you have to be prepared. This is not something you're going to hammer out in a day. It's going to take several months to get it together if you really want to develop an action plan. I'm working with a group now that they have their strategy and their goals and objectives in place. That took a couple months. And now we're just getting started working on the tactical action plan for each department to make sure this plan gets fulfilled. And that sometimes for organizations is the hardest part of it. (laughs) Well, sure. (laughs) So step yeah. one is just, you know, recognizing where are we at? What What is our reality today? And then based on, you know, the conversations and the discussions is where would we like to see ourselves 
end up, and it isn't always an end up. I'm 20, almost 27 years in business, and I never seem to be ending up, right? <laughs> no, hopefully not. Right? If you're ending just, up, that means you're coming yeah. to a standstill. <laughs> it just keeps rolling. So, all right, we have to go to break. When I, come, yeah, when I come back, I'm going to pick up on this conversation again with Linda Lysakowski, who is an author, speaker, and consultant to nonprofits. We'll be right back. Sage International Incorporated helps you start your business and provides the ongoing support, information, and education to make sure you stay in business. For over 26 years, Sage International, a local Reno business, has been working with solopreneurs, real estate investors, nonprofits, and seasoned business owners, making sure you're structured in the right entity, taxed in the right way, so you protect your assets and reduce your taxes immediately. To schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry Hill, the Wealth Protection Diva, call 775-786-5515. That's 775-786-5515. Or visit sageintl.com. SunTech Storm Panels are the clear, tough, versatile way to lock out cold winter drafts on your windows and doors. Want to keep the cold out, the heat in, and save money? Call SunTech 352-9396 for fast, friendly installation. If you missed any part of today's show and would like to listen to the podcast, please visit SherryHillShow.com. Welcome back, and thank you for tuning into the Sherry Hill Show. Very honored to have Linda Lysakowski as my guest today. She is a prolific author, speaker, and consultant to nonprofits, actually based out of Southern Nevada, and really appreciate all the great resources, the books that she has written, the support that she offers organizations around the world, essentially. If you want to find out more information, sign up for her blog and her, you do all kinds of webinars and stuff. It's Linda and then L-Y-S-A-K-O-W-S-K-I dot com, Linda Lysakowski dot com for just a, a massive amount of resources to really help your nonprofit get organized and stay on course. So today we've been talking about strategic planning for nonprofits. So Linda, in the first half, we talked about the SWOT analysis and the importance of, you know, understanding your reality as it is today and your mission and having a good vision. But let's talk about, you know, the second part of that is we can, you know, lay down a strategic plan, but if we don't assign, you know, who's accountable or responsible, um, what happens? Well, what happens is the plan never gets implemented. <laughs> That's pretty simple. Uh, but I think this is where a lot of organizations do go wrong. As I said earlier, they are good at the visioning and the setting goals. I find most nonprofits really know, even though sometimes they struggle with trying to figure out where they are, they usually know where they're headed and what their goals should be, but it's hard for them to put it into action. So I've always said that planning is both a process and a product. And I think there are people in this world, and I confess I'm the, the product-oriented person. I, if I had my druthers, I'd sit down in a room and in an afternoon put together a plan by, all by myself. But I know it wouldn't work because I didn't go through the process of 
doing the SWOT analysis, doing the research that I needed, getting consensus from everybody that's involved. But sometimes I find in the nonprofit sector especially that more people seem to be process-oriented. They're good at doing the things like the SWOT analysis and the goal setting. But when it comes down to putting it down on paper and making sure it really gets implemented, that's where a lot of them fall short. They just end with the goals and say, oh, this is great. We have these wonderful visionary goals. But you've got to figure out how the heck you're going to get there <laughs> to reach those goals. So the, the next step, once you have your goals, is developing objectives. And, and they have to be smart objectives. And there's different definitions of smart objectives. I've seen it several described several different ways. But for my definition of smart means they're specific, measurable, action-oriented, realistic, and time-defined. So to put it kind of simply, once you have those objectives, then you need to assign action steps. And those action steps have to answer three simple questions. Who's going to do this? When is it going to get done? And how much is it going to cost? Or if it's a fundraising activity, how much is it going to raise? And if you don't answer those three questions, I guarantee it won't get done because, oh, well, I thought that was Joe's job. No, I thought it was Sally's job. I didn't know I was responsible for this. Or, oh, I didn't know it was due this month. I thought I had six months to work on that. Or, you know, we can't afford to do this. It's going to cost too much. <laughs> so you have to do your plan with goals, objectives, and then finally the action steps. And those are what we often call departmental plans. So you look at your objectives and say, well, this belongs to the program office, or this belongs to the administrator, or this belongs to the development office, or this belongs to the board or the development committee or the program committee. So you've got to figure out who's responsible and when it's do, and also how much it's going to cost. And of course, I always say plans are like budgets. They're not set in stone because there are guidelines, but I guarantee, and especially in the nonprofit world, that stuff is going to happen. You're going to have these wonderful action steps and think you're on track, but all of a sudden something dramatically changes and you find that oh, we can't get that done in three months. It's going to take longer because we don't have all the resources or the person that was in charge of it just left or they're out on maternity leave or sick leave or whatever. So things are going to change. You have to have some flexibility with this plan. But to me, as long as you know why you're not on track, that's the most important thing. Well, we're not on track because it costs more than we thought it was going to cost or we didn't have the technology to implement this or the board, you know, lost three members, and we just have to focus on that now. And sometimes other things that are more important are going to come in. But as long as you know why you're not meeting your goals and what you can do to correct that, and waiting till the end of the year doesn't do you any good because it's too late to correct it then. You've got to measure your plan, I think, at least on a monthly basis, and make sure you are on track, and if you're not on track, how you can get back on track. Well, and one of the huge processes and the reasons for doing strategic planning is you're not in execution stage yet. 
So this is right. the, the, a great time to ask all those what if questions or, you know, things like that, because really the whole point is, can we execute on this plan, on these goals? And if you can't answer the question, yes, we can execute, then you shouldn't do it, right? <laughs> right. And, and the way I, when I develop a plan for my clients, I do... I list all the goals with the objectives and the action steps under them. But then I take those action steps and I translate them into three different formats. One is a chronological format that shows, okay, what has to be done in the month of January and February and March. And then the other one is an assignment of responsibility. What is the board responsible for? What is the executive director responsible for? What is each staff? department responsible for and then the third one is the budget and when you break it down that way sometimes you look at it and you say oh my gosh you know we can't possibly meet this timeline it sounded good when we were looking at individual objectives but when we see it all in one place like we have 25 things on our plate that have to be done in January Mm -hmm. (laughs) and maybe it's impossible maybe we need to think more about stretching some of these things out. I find that's one of the things that that another area that a lot of nonprofits make a mistake in is they're overambitious and they want to do everything in the first three months or six months and they don't think long term. So you've got to be able to be realistic about those things. And sometimes the only way to do that is by seeing it in chronological order. And the same with areas of responsibility. Maybe one person or one department has just way too many responsibilities on their plate. But when you see them listed out, like this is what you or your department is responsible for. And when you see the budget, that sometimes is an eye opener too. But we can't afford to do all this. We'd like to do it. But how are we going to raise the money to do it? Or we're or how how do we chunk it down, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, let's so talk. A lot of times yeah. after that first take, you end up redoing your plan. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, a huge part of this, you know, once people have achieved their goals, Linda, talk about the importance of celebrating or acknowledging so that everyone knows, hey, we've won the game. Oh, I'm so glad you raised that issue because. One of the things that I have found in the nonprofit world in general is everybody's quick to point a finger about that department didn't meet their goals in time and they spent too much money on the budget, but they don't take time to celebrate. Well, we were, we were able to land this big grant or we had this successful event or our program served more people than we anticipated serving and, and we did a good job of it and they don't celebrate enough. So I really believe there's a lot of ways to celebrate. I mean, if it's if getting up in your office and doing the happy dance is a way that, that you can celebrate or you can order in pizza for the whole staff or you can give people some time off, maybe give everybody a half day off. I had a boss once that during the holiday season always gave employees kind of an unexpected day off just to do shopping or baking or whatever they wanted to do to prepare for the holidays. And I think those things are so much appreciated by your staff and they don't cost a lot of money. You don't spend a fortune to celebrate, but I really believe celebrating success is 
one of the things that keeps people in their jobs and keeps them happy in their jobs. Well, and just knowing that, you know, and one of the other things that, you know, I'm sure as like I remind people as well is, you know, when you're doing strategic planning and you're setting goals, you know, I limit it to three, three goals a year, mm-hmm. right? Because like you said, right. you can overwhelm and overtax and over everything. Um, keep it simple. And it's like, Everyone thinks everything has to be done now. And like if you are thinking (laughs) futuristically going, well, we still want to be here in 10 years. My gosh, at the end of 10 years, you could have accomplished 30 goals. Right. 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 (laughs) Instead of 30 goals in the first year. Right. (laughs) And I think a lot of times we tend to get over ambitious. I find especially boards do that because maybe they don't realize how much staff time is going to be involved in implementing these goals. And so they they have these great ideas. And and brainstorming at a planning session is really great because everybody comes up with these great ideas. And But you have to be realistic, too, and prioritize, well, what can we really do this year and what should we maybe look at to do next year? Absolutely. So I've been talking to Linda Lysakowski. Her website, lindalizakowski.com. I encourage everyone to go out and check out, oh my gosh, she's got, you know, 30 books she's written. She's just prolific and fantastic. And what a phenomenal resource we have, not just in our state, but in our in our world because of you, Linda. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Sherry Hill Show. Happy New Year. And always, our show is focusing on how we amplify your business today.